0: Welcome to Inside My Canoe Head, a podcast about self-reliance and building a more resilient lifestyle. Hang on and join us for your latest emergency preparedness information, building a better you in the face of life's disruptions, and all those other crazy stuff that's driving us nuts in today's world. I'm your host, Jeff. Let's get at it. All right, welcome back to our next episode, which is a continuation of our Emergency Preparedness 2.0 series that we're doing here on Inside My Canoe Head. Today, we're going to start a part one of a two-part series entitled, This Winter is Going to Be Hard. And what I mean by that is we need to investigate as preparedness individuals what is going to be happening Downrange, what's going to be happening in the weeks and months to come, not necessarily what is going on at this very moment, because that's called foresight. We want to make sure that we are paying attention to events that are likely or potentially could occur and then conduct the appropriate analysis of those events to determine whether our current preparedness mitigation efforts need to be adjusted or otherwise amended. So in that vein, we need to look at the world as we know it today. And as you know, I live here in North America, in Ottawa, Canada's capital city, Um, but we're not far from our friendly, wonderful neighbors to the south. The wonderful Americans are going through an existential crisis on their national identity and where their country may head in the coming years. Now, Elections are always popular, but elections at the world's most powerful country are exceptionally influential to all of the world and how other countries will behave and conduct themselves in the world stage does to a degree have a large effect um, based upon who is in the Oval Office in the United States of America. As a public policy PhD student, I can tell you, Emphatically, that is true when it comes to those people who call themselves public policy entrepreneurs. Those are those individuals out there who have a solution, but not a problem. They have a certain thing that they wish to have done in public policy, but they don't have the problem to allow that to happen. That's called a public policy window. Those windows open periodically, and sometimes they're as a result of a foreign election, especially in an American election, if you get a very specific type of leader in the United States of America, irrespective of what side of the spectrum they may fall on, they have certain viewpoints around the world. And and they may or may not facilitate another leader's desire to invoke an action, change a major public policy, uh, create new or break old alliances and ties. And a lot of that does depend on what the guy with the biggest muscle on the on the street is going to do. And that's the United States of America now. And it will be for decades to come. There's nobody even close to catching up to them when it comes to both uh, economic and military power. So because of that, it is that uh, consequential for the rest of the world. So without belaboring that point, you have to pay attention to the such events as that you also need to look around your country to see what's happening in relation to climate change, and human condition and human experiences. And what I mean by that is, if you live in eastern Greece, you are very squarely focused on the migrant crisis coming out of Turkey. And you can see how Um, A breakdown of relations between Greece and Turkey, which is the road they're traveling down right now, could lead to the gates opening and several hundred thousand refugees crossing into the Aegean to land on Greece, which will absolutely overwhelm not only them, but to a large extent, the European Union's ability to deal with that. In other words, people will start being used as weapons of economic and destabilizing warfare. You also have to look at climate change. You may not agree with it or not. I, I really don't care at this point. All I'm saying is that the climate is changing and the world is literally on fire. And we're now heading into winter weather season where you're going to see uh, quite a number of new storms. So I know there's, you know, hurricanes have been doing their darndest to smash the heck out of the United States of America. We also have winter storms coming. And listen, you know, I love it. But the Canadian winter is on its way back in. So you... Everybody has to understand their vulnerabilities is point number one. And it's specific to your situation. And from a macro perspective, we're talking about uh, looking at your city uh, and what vulnerabilities your city has. Micro, what vulnerabilities your neighborhood, maybe your house specifically does, what, what your family does in relation to other things that we've talked about in preparedness. Then you have to understand the threat analysis. And the threat analysis usually goes down two pipes. One is what we consider what is likely to happen in in the near and the medium term and that is what's the most dangerous to happen and really if you consider those two things and take those into account you'll capture everything in the middle and this is why threat analysis is often overlooked in in individual emergency preparedness because everybody thinks at the higher levels yeah sure all of these emergency management organizations need to look at threat analysis But I'm going to encourage you that you need to, and you need to take it from the perspective of your vulnerabilities, where you are physically, geographically, emotionally, spiritually, and where your family situates in the multiple locations they probably are. That's your responsibility. That's not the government's responsibility to do it. But what you're going to see all around you is information. Now, we know. Listen. There is tons of information out there just look at the internet. I am one of little over 1 million podcasts on Apple. There are several hundred YouTube channels on emergency preparedness telling you to buy everything and run away and hide in the woods and and pray for whatever God you pray to, to come save you or whatever it may be. Everybody's got an angle on it. So there's tons of information out there, but what you need to become is that expert who can just cut right through that noise and the junk and go right for news sources. And what do you want to find out? You want to find out what facts are. And remember facts, your facts and my facts, there's no such thing as different facts or, or view on facts. A fact is something that it, it is what it is. Now you very well may have an opinion on it. You may have a rationale behind it, but a fact is not something you agree with or disagree with. A fact is something that is it's an absolute. It is in fact, pardon the pun, uh true. What you want to be careful of is analysis. See what you're going to have is you're going to have a whole bunch of news agencies and remember uh, I bet I bash the media a lot on this channel, but I do it because there are five corporations that own the U.S. media writ large. And because the U.S. media is so important on the face of this planet, they have such a large influence. Those five companies are large donors to the political process. So I'm just going to leave it there as to their analysis and how much you can put into honest reporting and journalism. Journalists out there are doing a fantastic job of garnering facts. What they do an absolute abysmal job of is putting analysis into that. So, because of that, what you need to do is take their analysis, what they think may happen and what it means, and you park that to the side. You're looking for facts, facts that you can take and put them in context of your vulnerabilities and the threats that you believe and now what you have is a rock solid piece of analysis that's going to tell you what is coming down the pipe what is approaching and what you and your family are going to likely face because remember this channel is all about individual emergency preparedness and it's about helping you you and your family we're not here to save your city we're not here to save your state we're not here to save the world and tell you what you need to do to participate in that kind of level event. We are here to make sure that you build that layer of resiliency and strength so that when disruptions happen, and we know we happen, your are piece of analysis that you put together will tell you that, that you that you can bounce back better, that you're less disrupted, you're less shifted off, you can carry on the life that you want. Because again, principle of this podcast is, we are not people who want to run to the hills, we are people who want to carry on our normal lives, practice our religion and our faith, do the things that we love, hang around the people we love, and generally get through life in the way that we want to. But we are concerned About preparedness because the world's a little shaky, it's a little bit on fire, and there's some great deal of uncertainty out there. That's what this podcast exists to do. So, what we're gonna ask you to do first in this case is look at the fall. Now, that's 10 minutes of preamble to talk about it, but it's exceptionally important. This fall is gonna hurt, and it's gonna hurt because no matter who wins that United States election, there's gonna be significant disruption in US politics. Why does that matter? Well, because I am a Canadian and about 72 to 78%, depending on your industry, of our economies are interrelated. And there are billions of dollars of goods and services that go across that border every day. So my society is intertwined with my American brothers and sisters. You cannot separate that. Because so many things that we do on the face of this earth are about coalitions, are about a group of like-minded nations that get together to solve the world's problems or what we think are the world's problems because we don't always tackle what really matters. But the theory is, listen, folks, um, that's going to get very disruptive and have a lot of effect. It can have what we call downstream effects on other industries and other portions of the economy forget the stock market that sucker goes up and down we're not really concerned about that we're concerned about how the effects it has in the industry and the industry you may work in because don't forget one of the vulnerabilities you have is if you're a single income family or I'd argue even a dual income family and you have two jobs or one job and that's what you pay all your bills with that's a vulnerability because if that job disappears tomorrow and that funding is not there, you better have a preparedness plan for where the next dollar is going to come from. Now, if you're necessarily prepared, you've got several months talked away. Great, fair enough. But what I'm saying is, is that understand vulnerabilities include your job, not just the food supply, not just the power supply, not just other things, uh, but. We also have to understand that the fall is also going to be a big deal when it comes to COVID-19. Because within the pandemic, you have an increased uptake of cases. Some call it the second wave. I'll leave a reserve judgment on that. Uh, however, what I will say is that the normal flu influenza is coming around. And this is the influenza season. So what we start to see is an uptake in normal influenza. And the problem is, is that the diagnosing between the two is going to be exceptionally difficult. So if you look at the PPE that has to be worn by people in the healthcare administration and the people and the efforts that they're going to have to undertake when a patient presents themselves with flu-like symptoms is going to be expeditious essentially difficult when you have the normal tens of thousands of additional cases showing up at emergency room and doctors offices that are not covid-19 they are a flu virus not covid but the doctors can't tell the difference so they have to treat everybody as if they had covid until otherwise proven and in that case you will see a reduction in the number of cases that a doctor's office can see at the same time Coincidentally, simultaneously at the same time that you have an absolute uptake in the demand. So your supply and demand for medical services are going to be at a considerable disequilibrium. And that is essentially going to mean huge amounts of people are going to be sick and are not going to be able to access health care. Why is that a big deal? Well, look down system. People need to go to work. When people stop going to work because they're sick or they have to self-isolate because they may have come into contact with somebody with COVID-19, but it was probably the flu, but they're not certain. So they still have to self-isolate. Follow that through all of your industries and you start seeing service industries, which will be the biggest hit, which will know, which will have a reduction in the number of people available for work. So we're not saying that Anything in the stores from a supply chain perspective are going to be reduced. I am predicting that you're going to have a far more impact on the supply of labor that is available within the economy because of this pandemic. Now, a lot of people have been able to successfully transition their position or their job to an online Uh, experience, which for them, that's fantastic. You can probably sniffle and snuffle your way through a bunch of Zoom meetings and at least get some of your work done. Fair enough. I'm talking about all the other people, as Bernie Sanders would call them, the people who need to shower after work. Those group of people are going to be in significant difficulty because they've fought through since March, a lot of regulatory framework necessary or otherwise, whether you agree with it or not, to deal with a pandemic. Now we're going to add the influenza on top of that. We're going to add falling temperatures, which is going to drive all these human beings back inside who were outside. And now when you're inside, the infection rate or the transmission rate, the vectors of transmission are exponentially going to grow. And then based upon some of the World Health Organization statistics, you're looking at uh, the beltway, as they call it, between 5 and 15 degrees Celsius on an average daily temperature inside and outside, inside or outside, sorry, is is specifically where the virus has its highest level of transmission. So you're essentially driving people inside. You're driving them close together. You're forcing them to congregate at the very time when we have not only the regular influenza, which is why that's... you know, peaks this time of year, but you're in the middle of a COVID-19 pandemic. So we are setting it up to have a very sick population. I'm not talking about exponential growth and deaths and all this tinfoil hat garbage you hear on TV. I'm talking about you're going to have a lot of people sick and very few of those people are going to be able to throughput through the standard healthcare system irrespective of what country you're in. And therefore they're going to be self-isolating for one reason or another, whether they know they have COVID or not, which is going to affect the supply of labor. The supply of labor goes down, it starts to affect your ability to access goods and services. If only a third of the cashiers are open at Wally World or at um, your local grocery store, that'll create lineups, that'll create frustration. It just starts adding layers of anxiety to society. And with all that, everything else in preparedness teaches you to learning to understand all of the things that could happen. Um, And I go back to my earlier episode that we did in the first series on emergency preparedness on first steps, things you should do. We formulated it around society being built and held up by the 10 elements of critical infrastructure according to the Canadian government. Really, there's 16, but the Canadian government loves to be different. So they've created 10 sectors. Uh, You got to look at those sectors individually. I'm not going to repeat that here. Now go back and, and have a listen to that because it'll help you understand uh, those CI elements and how they affect your daily life. It's basically learning to a skill called wargaming. And wargaming, you might think of a bunch of army guys playing risk. Well, it's actually not too far off from that. It's about being able to see what happens if events occur. So you've gone through that threat analysis. You've gone through your vulnerability, your threat assessment, You've looked at the information, so you've painted a picture of what, based upon your individual family circumstances, what winter could look like. Okay, you've looked at all the things and the problems that could occur. Once you've looked at that, how do you wargame that? Now, wargaming is very simple. It is a very politically correct evolution, which simply means the bad guy goes first. So the bad guy, what happens? So we have a major increase in COVID-19 cases in your area, good guys move. Good guy, the government shuts down inside gatherings. Pause. What does that mean for you? And maybe it means that you run a restaurant. Maybe it means that you run a banquet hall. Maybe it means that it has nothing to do with What your family's plans and how you plan to get through and how you conduct your life and your finances, etc. And then you move on. You go back to the bad guys. You now have an increased occupation of ICU beds in hospitals. Again, we have to the bad guy causes the cancellation of elective surgeries. Good guys move. What does that mean? Now, if you, had, if you were sitting there waiting for hip replacement or you had an in-law living with you who's waiting for a hip replacement, now that hip replacement is not going to occur, what does that mean? And this is the type of evolution you keep going back and forth, good guy, bad guy, blue side, red side, you can call it whatever you will, but you walk through what are the possible logical outcomes of everything that could occur this fall and then how does it affect you? And when you get good at wargaming, you can basically sit there with a cup of coffee and think out loud or just think in your head, however you do it, and just figure out, you know, if this happens, okay, this is likely to happen. If this happens, this is what I'll do. If this, And because what you do it is one of the principles of a philosophy that I follow is Stoicism, and, and some, Marcus Aurelius and some of the bigger speakers in stoicism, say you start your day off with by saying, today, I'm going to meet a bunch of worthless, horrible people that are going to be rude and ignorant. And they are going to treat me like trash. And then you decide how you're going to deal with those people. And you do that even before you leave the day in the morning. So that when you run into that rude, ignorant individual in the grocery store, you're ready to deal with them because you've already had that thought process. So listen, yeah, just understand that what we're facing this fall is not going to be a collapse of society like you see on YouTube. You're not going to have a massive economic collapse. The world is not going to fall apart. Law and order is not going to break down and you're not going to have streets of fire all around North America. Save a bunch of U.S. cities that are probably going to have quite the significant difficulty when we get to that point of deciding who wins the U.S. election if they ever get to that point. Um, But here in Canada, listen, we're not going to face that kind of disruption. What we are going to face is a winter where you have a lot of difficulties in a lot of sectors due to availability of labor, uh, due to government decisions. Uh, We have our own federal government um, who has some significant decisions to make when it comes to how they're going to allocate funds there is simply not enough money to continue a CERB like benefit here in Canada into the spring and the fall of next year before we see a vaccine which is probably for the general public even in the best case scenario not until September October of 2021 so people are going to have to figure out taking care of themselves because that government money supply is going to come to an end now, I will throw it out there, and you get mad at me if you want to, because if I make you angry, maybe I'm doing something right. But if it if you had disruption in your job in March, and we're sitting here in September, and you don't have a rock-solid plan to make a great income, at least a marginal income, to keep you going, and you're still sitting back waiting for your old job to open, and you're still sitting back collecting that Canadian, government, Canadian taxpayer check that comes in the mail... My friend, you have significant problems because that's a huge amount of time that's just gone. Uh, Unfortunately, it is what it is. Remember, we at this podcast talk about a couple of very important things. First and foremost, is is that that basic preparedness question its the foundation of everything that you're going to do in preparedness, who is responsible for your outcomes? And if the answer is that government has to come save me, I want the government's free money. And that's what they owe me. Best wishes to you. But if you believe that you are responsible for your own outcomes, you've got to also understand that we are not alone. You are not alone. And the big message about this winter is going to be hard is that you're going to have to reach out or you should be reaching out to members of your community, whether that's your your individual faith community, a community organization that you belong to, your neighbors, because everybody's going to be having a rough winter for a whole bunch of different reasons and circumstances. And we're not alone. Listen, humans are gregarious creatures we need each other we do better with each other we don't do better on lone wolf we're not better alone uh, if you think you're going to grab a go bag and roll run into the woods I'm here to tell you that uh, you have a very low probability of success even in the short run uh, what I am going to tell you though is that you will have a huge amount of strength by growing something called your social capital and that's your social capital is all about those linkages and those bonds you have with other human being because what that does is it creates a sense of security because you have a group of people and you're all watching out for each other. But on top of that, you have access to each other's resources and I just don't mean physical resources. I mean intelligence resources, connections resources community resources I mean when you create these groups of like-minded people who are just here for each other it's a sense of the 1800s that we have lost as a human race In that we used to have villages and they never used to be above about 150 people maybe 200 at the at the highest rate but most villages were never more than 150 because they had everything internal to them everybody helped each other out there wasn't a government that needed to feed anybody uh, in downtimes because we all fed each other. If somebody's house burnt down, we all went and helped rebuild it. Uh, it just there was a sense of community now. That, sure, people will say you can't do that now in the 21st century, whatever. It's all BS. Sure, you can. But we've gotten away from it. We've transferred all the responsibility for downturns in our lives to this magical thing called government that's just going to come riding in on a white horse and rescue you from everything build that sense of community. You're not alone. And there's some great sayings like through adversity, we see strength. Like seriously, look around. If you could get 15 to 20 of your local friends and and families in a tight little group and throw up a Facebook group and everybody becomes members and you throw up how's everybody doing I got some recipes here's some funny videos you build a connection and so that when somebody has a difficulty they're far more likely to put their hand up and say hey you know what I'm I'm just having an issue with this Is, is anybody out there know how to help me and you start to see an amazing and you start seeing Great things happen in communities, you start building resilience across the community, which creates higher more resilient individuals and families, which means you are going to be able to draw on this if you ever need to. And maybe you won't, maybe you'll just be a contributory to it. But um, That's a huge deal. So what we're going to do next week on Inside My Canoe Head is we're going to go through a scenario management. We're going to pick a couple of possible scenarios for this fall. I'm going to walk and chalk our way through it, do the vulnerability and threat assessments, and see what we can come up with for amendments to your emergency plan. So in the meantime, thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to listen to us here at Inside My Canoe Head. My name is Jeff. Come over, visit us at our business address at www.preparednesslabs.ca or follow me on all the social media at Inside My Canoe Head. You have yourself a great day and we'll see you next Monday.